0: What happens after you die, and so if you're interested in that sermon, go on ahead to our uh, web page or our Facebook page and you can listen to those messages. But I, I believe that there will be a blessing for you because we talked about is what you know about eternity determines how you live today, right? And so go on ahead and check that out today. I'm doing a standalone message here, and what I want to talk about is we're as I was reminded as we have people getting ready to be baptized. Maybe you've been baptized before, maybe you, you're here because you've accepted Christ in your heart as your Lord and personal Savior, but when you did that, the Bible says that the old you is gone, that there is a new person, you are now a new person, that you are now a new creation, and the word that comes to mind when I think of something that is old being remade new, I, the word that comes to mind is, is, is rewrite, right? It's rewrite because depending on how old you are, your life, you, if you think about it in, a, in like a, a Seinfeld episode for any of you guys who watch Seinfeld, your life is kind of like a book. You know, we hear, we hear this a lot, especially in Spanish culture, you know, that your life is like a book, you know. And some, the reality is that some of those chapters in our life story book are, are pretty rough. Some of them are, are pretty sad. Some of those chapters in our life story, man, we were in really bad places. You might be writing that chapter right now. You feel lost. You feel hopeless. Maybe you've titled that chapter, my my, my life in addiction. Or you've titled it, my life in divorce. Whatever the case may be. But what happens, the Bible says that when you give your life to Christ, it's almost as if your story, your life gets to, to be rewritten. And I don't know about you, but I love the idea of my life being rewritten. Some of you are saying, look, I, you know what, yes, throw, throw the other one out and let's start from scratch. The beautiful thing is, you can do that with Jesus Christ. You can do that with Jesus Christ. You don't get another life. It's like you die here, you don't say, okay, God, I didn't do good, so let me be reborn again and let me start it all over. No, the life that you are presently living in, the, mo- the life that you have right now, the life that you said, man... It's been horrible. Man, if people only knew what I did, if people only knew how I think, if you you just understand that that same life, God can rewrite it. That's an offer. That's, That's an offer that you can't really get anywhere else. Because if you do something bad to someone, they may never forgive you. The reality is a lot of us have turned our back towards God, but the moment you go back to him and you say, Lord, give me a new heart, if you do it sincerely, you'll be more than happy. So I want to talk to you today in that area of of rewrites, of your life being rewritten. I want to talk to you about a character in today in the Word of God. It was a person who had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And I believe this conversation, if you look at it and you read it, you can easily bypass it. But I want to spend some time with you so you can see the importance of this conversation that is being had. This person in this story that has an encounter with Jesus, he's about to, his life is about to be rewritten, but when he goes and has this conversation with Jesus, he, he, it, it wasn't necessarily something small that was about to be rewritten, but it was going to be his whole life, even though he didn't know that he needed that. And his name is, many of you guys may be familiar with it, is Nicodemus conversation that Jesus has with Nicodemus. And if you would allow me to, I want to take you to that story, can I? Let's take a look at John chapter 3. If you have your Bibles with you, open them up to John chapter 3. If you don't, we'll have the passages on the screen. If you're watching us on Facebook, we'll have the passages on the bottom there. But I want to spend some time, all of our time actually, here in this passage. So let me start off by reading John chapter 3, verse 1. It says this. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus. Everyone say Nicodemus. Nicodemus. Who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night. Everyone say night. Night. All right. I'm going to stop right there. Let me give you a little bit of information on Nicodemus. Nicodemus has a unique social status. Number one, he's a Pharisee. Okay? Pharisees were an uh, they were, they were a, an, an ancient Jewish sect that believed that they were closer to God and they were better than anyone else because of their strict observance of the law and all the restrictions. You know, they kind of walked around like, you know, chest puffed up. Like, I know more than you. As a Pharisee, he was so religious, listen to this, that he probably had memorized the entire Torah. Those of you saying, what's the Torah? The Torah is the first five books of the Bible, okay? And to get a little bit more details in that, that consists of 187 chapters, 5,853 verses. When I say that he probably had this memorized, I mean he probably had this memorized. Lots of the Pharisees did. That's what they did day in and day out, was study it and read it and read it and read it. The second thing is he was a member of the Jewish ruling council. It was called the, the Sanhedrin. That was the highest court of justice and the supreme council of, the, of ancient Jerusalem. So this guy is in a high place. He's a Pharisee, and he's also a part of this <clears throat> excuse me Jewish council. So we can only imagine the reason why it is that he went to meet with Jesus. The reality is the Pharisees throughout the Gospels, you see, they're listening to Jesus' teachings. Time in and time out. So I could only assume that he had some concerns that led him to seek out Jesus. I want you to pay attention to this. I just gave you all the accolades of Nicodemus. In your mind, he's got it all together. But what I want to say is that even people like Nicodemus have the need for a rewrite in their lives, And they are not able to do it themselves. The see, ordinary people like us, sometimes we presume that leaders and accomplished people have less, less doubts in life, right? Sometimes you may look at me, yeah, he doesn't have no doubts. No, that's fur- that couldn't be further from the truth. In reality, we all have our doubts. We all sit and think sometimes a little bit too much. And for Nicodemus, it was obvious that his brand of religion, his brand of religion, which you could say it was Phariseeism, could not solve the deep issues of his soul. So why? So what happens? The Bible says he comes to Jesus. When? At night. <laughs> when you don't want anyone to see you, sometimes you, you do things at night. Especially at that time. At night it was dark. We didn't have, they didn't have street lights and, and, and restaurants open to 10 o'clock at night. When At night meant it was at night. So he meets him. And the reality is that it's sometimes difficult for people in high positions to ask for help. So Nicodemus, he came to Jesus at night so that he could avoid being seen. And in this story here, in this conversation that we're t- beginning to dissect, Jesus gives Nicodemus three incredible truths that led to his, ri- his rewrite. Three incredible truths that led to his rewrite. And the beautiful thing is that if you pay attention today This could also lead to your rewrite today if you're saying, I'm here and my life needs to be rewritten. If you're taking notes, uh, here they are. The first one here, and we'll have these these points up on the screen. The first point that we see in this conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus that leads to to Nicodemus' life being rewritten is the understanding that you can't rewrite your own life. You cannot rewrite your own life. Or as many help books you want to read or or whatever it is that society tells you, you can do some things to better position yourself, but you can't rewrite your life. And we see this in verse 2. It says, he came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not in him. They're saying, we know you're from God. Why? They They were seeing Jesus turn water to wine. They were seeing Jesus heal the blind. They're seeing Jesus go on ahead and and heal the crippled, the leopard. Verse 3, Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one, everyone say no one, can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Nicodemus was a, How do you say it? He he was a, a rule keeper, and he was counting on his own ability to keep the law to be able to draw him close to God. The Pharisees, that's what they did. They counted on their ability to follow all the rules and all the regulations to keep them close to God. But Jesus, being who he was, goes on ahead, and he looked through his soul, and he offers Nicodemus the real way to God. It wasn't just more information that Nicodemus needed. Maybe when Nicodemus went to see Jesus, Nicodemus is probably saying, maybe there's just more information that I need. Maybe there's another rule that I need. Maybe there's another regulation that I need to follow to get myself even better. But it wasn't more information that he needed. You know what Nicodemus needed? He needed a whole new life. He needed to be born again. Nicodemus needed his life story to be rewritten. He needed a rewrite. That is what Nicodemus really needed. And what his religion, his Phariseeism, could not offer him. Nicodemus says, we know that you are from God. We see the signs of the things that you are doing. So in reality, what Nicodemus is saying is, Jesus, when I look at you, when I watch you teach, when I see you perform these miracles, I see something different in you. I'm seeing something different in you than from all these other Pharisee brothers that we read the Torah with and have lunch with every single day. There's something different in you. It's like when you go to uh, watch a 3-D movie. Anybody went to the theaters and watch a 3-D movie? Some of you guys said, no, it gets me dizzy. Or I, I went to Universal Studios last year when we went to California. And really you're paying like almost 200 bucks a ticket to sit down in something with 3-D glasses that shakes you around and makes you feel like you're going through real roller coasters. But when you're watching a 3D movie without glasses, like let's say you go in there and all of a sudden you take them off, you see there's something different. There's something different that I can't see if I don't have these glasses on. But Jesus says you cannot truly see without something new. What Jesus is saying is the way you can't see this movie in 3D, the way you ought to see it is the way you can't see what you really need in life. Unless you have something. For the movie, you need those 3D glasses. To see what God offers, you need, you need your story to be rewritten. You need to be have your life in Him. And I'll get in a little bit more details with that. He's saying, You need to rewrite in your story, Nicodemus, and I'm going to tell you what it is. He tells Nicodemus, you need to be born again. But Nicodemus, being a smart man, he's smart. He's got the bio, he's got the first five. Books of the Bible memorized. He studied everything. Nicodemus has a hard time with this concept of being born again. We talk about that, born again. We know, we understand. Nic- Nicodemus didn't understand what that meant. Verse 4 How can someone be born again when they are old? Nicodemus said. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. He's struggling with this. What do you mean, be born again? I can't Can't go back inside my mom. Nicodemus wants to know, in other words, where do babies come from? Spiritual babies, that is. How does this work, Jesus? I don't get it. I can't even begin to imagine what it is that you're saying. Nicodemus cannot process Jesus' words. But just like a 3D movie, if we don't have the 3D glasses, the movie is going to be difficult to watch. As a matter of fact, it's going to be horrible because it's going to look like you got blurred vision. The movie's probably not going to make sense at all because while everybody has their 3D glasses and they see fireballs coming at them and they're like, oh, oh, you're just sitting there like, what are they oh oh-ing about? Jesus offers an entirely new way to look at salvation. It's not just an improvement. It's not just a tweak that Nicodemus was missing. Nicodemus needed something new. Maybe here you're living your life right now, and you're saying, man, I've been living this life, but I need something new. Something has got to change. This life can't keep being what it is. This can't be all that there is to life. I thought if I got a new job, I'd be better. I feel better. I'm not. I thought that if I got into this relationship, I would not feel alone. I still feel alone. I thought that I, if I went on ahead and I, and I worked out and I lost all this weight, that I would feel good about myself, about my body appearance. I look at myself in the mirror. I'm still not happy. Verse 5, Jesus answered, truly, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. I'm going to break this down a little bit for you. Jesus says you can't rewrite your own life. What does it mean to be born of water and spirit? Well, the water portion of it, many scholars believe that this refers to to baptism. This mark of a written life in Jesus, of a rewritten life in Jesus, is to be baptized. It's the moment that we look back upon to know that our old story has come to an end and the new story has now begun. And that's what someone... Two people are going to do here today, which is beautiful because you're going to see this illustrated right before your eyes. When he talks about the spirit, this refers to the very presence and the move of God. This is something that cannot be worked for. Understand that. This is something that can't be created. It can't be earned on your own. Jesus goes on to explain that what Nicodemus needed, and in reality what we all need is a work of God. In our lives. That lies outside of ourselves, and the reality is we're not in control of that rewrite. Jesus says in verse 6: Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. You see, the new beginning, the rewrite that you need, it comes from God, it comes from the spirit. Because physical things produce physical things, but spiritual things produce spiritual things things. You can't look for what you really need in the physical realm. That's why so many of us get tired because we're chasing and chasing and chasing things in this physical realm. All those things that I just described to you. If I have this, I'll feel better. If I have this, I'll feel complete. And we're chasing things and we're chasing things. Maybe if you've gotten everything that you wanted and you are still not satisfied, there's something spiritual that you need. When I talk to people and I counsel people and people talk to me about all these things and how they feel and they're in the, they feel like they're depressed and, and, and they've got the job now, they've got the house now, they've got the family, and they're still feeling like that, the next question for me is, man, how is your walk with Jesus Christ? Because you can have everything. We see these stars, these famous people, unfortunately some of them take their lives, they're not happy, they've been through six, seven, eight marriages... The reality is that there's something missing. There's a void. And some of us will die trying to fill that void in this physical realm. But what needs to be spiritual, if that void that you're missing is a spiritual void. That, that void that you're missing is Christ being that centered. And you're looking in the physical realm, good luck. Because you're not going to fill it. You can't look for what you really need in the physical realm. It is impossible. It is impossible. Your rewrite isn't going to come from some physical thing like, man, well, maybe if I work harder, maybe if I try harder, It's not anything that you can do on your own. You need something new. The new life that you need will come from a spiritual source. It was always that way in the scriptures. And that's why Jesus goes on ahead and he hones in on Nicodemus sharply. And just to skip a couple of verses, in verse 9 he, he says, or, or how can this be, Nicodemus asked after Jesus explains that he has to be born again. And this is what Jesus says to him. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. What he's telling him, man, for someone that's so puffed up, for someone that knows, you know, the, 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 the first five books of the Bible memorized, because that's all that they're kind of, you know, was to some degree besides some of the other things that were putting, getting put together, you should know this, but yet you don't. He's surprised. In verse 7, going back forward, you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Why not? Why does Jesus say you shouldn't be surprised that you should be born again? Because in the Old Testament, the hope that all of them were always looking for, these books that they're reading, they always looked forward to, it was tied to the coming days of the Spirit. And yet, that will, that's what Jesus is explaining what's about to happen. Jesus goes on ahead to explain how we are dependent upon God for this new life, how we can't control it or even fully understand it. And the reality is that this is humbling and it's also very freeing because Jesus goes on ahead and explains to him in verse 8, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. You see, Jesus here uses this clever wordplay to show the uncontrollable nature of our new life, of our, of our new rewritten life. He tells him, hey, you hear the wind, but you can't see it. That's how it is to be born of the Spirit. You experience it, but you can't control it, and you can't even predict it. Sometimes you go on ahead, and you make this decision to give your life, that you're done being the driver of your life, and you give it to God. And all of a sudden, you feel this, this refreshment inside of you. You didn't see it come. You just feel it. When the wind blows, you, you can only hear the sound, but you don't know exactly where it is it's coming from. And Nicodemus, with his dead religion of working harder and saving yourself by following all of the rules, could not understand the idea of being born again from God. And so Jesus goes on ahead and he makes the point that you can't rewrite your own life. It has to be through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Then he goes further in point number two, and what we see from the story is that no one but Jesus can rewrite your life. See, not only can you not rewrite your own life, but only Jesus can be the author of that rewrite. Verse 13, Jesus says, No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Jesus is saying, this is the only way. You're tired of that life? You want it rewritten? Give me the pen. Don't give the pen to anything else, to anyone else. Because you're just going to find out that the conclusion of that story is going to be the same. Give me the pen. Jesus emphasized the significance of believing in him as the only way to eternal life. I want you to notice that he doesn't tell Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you want eternal life? You want a relationship with God? You need to do this and do that? He doesn't say that. He didn't say, well, Nicodemus, if you want to be born again, you need to go on ahead and learn this, and you need to learn that. No. What he says is, you need to believe in who? Me. Jesus tells Nicodemus, you got to believe in me. You see, Nick believed. nickname him Nick. But what you believe is just as important as to rather you believe. The power of your life is not in faith itself but it's in the object of your faith. You can't believe in religion. You can believe in religion, but can I tell you something? Religion can't save you. See, many people, maybe even here today, have been believing in religion all their life. That if I do this, if I do that, if I count this, that maybe I'll be saved. But religion doesn't save you. Coming to church every single Sunday doesn't save you. Reading the Bible every single day doesn't save you. Jesus says, you want to be saved? You must be born again. There's no other way. In John chapter 14, verse 6, it clearly says that he is, and we don't got these passages up, but Jesus says, I am the way to the Father. It's through me that you get to my Father. Jesus repeats himself in John chapter 3, in verses 3, verses 5, and 7. He says, there is no other way. He says it over and over and over again. Why? Because Jesus was the one who was seated at his father's, at the right-hand side of his father, who goes on ahead and realizes the state of the world was in bad shape. He realized that everyone was lost, that everyone was going to be condemned to hell. So he takes off his, his, his royal gown and he goes on ahead and puts this, this gown of flesh, comes and lives the life with his creation and ends up crucifying on that cross. And the blood that he shed was now what was going to pay the ransom for our sin, that he was now the bridge between sinful man and holy God. That's why Jesus says, you, "There's nothing you can do to get to a holy God, but through me, because I've paid the way." Jesus cuts right to Nicodemus's heart, and he lets him know that all the religions in the world won't get him anywhere. He's telling Nicodemus, "You got a soul problem. He needs to be born again, and the only way is through Jesus." He says it just as Moses was lifted. Or lifted up the snake in the wilderness. You can find that story if you're taking notes in Numbers chapter 21. In that story, the people who saw the snake, they were saved from death. And Jesus is saying that's going to be the same way. At that moment, we know that it happened already, but at that moment he was telling Nicodemus, it's going to be the same way. When you see me raised up on a cross, dying for your sins, all who believe in me will be saved. This was a foreshadowed picture he's giving Nicodemus of God providing the only source of salvation that whoever would believe in Jesus Christ would have their story rewritten. And then Jesus gets even more pointed, and this leads us to our third and final point, and that is that without Jesus, you're worse off than you think. Without Jesus, you are worse off than you think. You may think your life is a little bit hard now, and you have Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Man, without him, it'd be a lot worse. John 3.16. This is where we get by, a lot of you guys have John 3.16 memorized. You just don't know exactly where it fits in in the Bible. It's in the same story. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You want eternal life? You believe in him. It's that simple. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. That's showing us that God loves us so much. He doesn't want to condemn us to hell. So he sends his son not to condemn the world, but to save it. Through who? Through him. And whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Everybody say already. Because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. You see, in verse 18, we're seeing this, and this is, this is very critical, church, and that is without faith in Jesus, without faith in Jesus, church, we are already condemned. That means you could have been writing your own story, the best way, following all the rules, being the nicest person on the block, being the nicest person who volunteered for everything. But if you don't have Jesus, the Bible says you are condemned. Let me take it a step further. The moment a baby, when you look at him so innocent, comes out of the mother's womb, is already condemned. Judgment has already been passed. We are lost. You know, you've ever, you've ever heard of buildings being condemned? Like, oh, what's happening with that building? There's nothing. It's abandoned. It's been condemned. When it's condemned, that means that the state or the village or the city, or whatever, has gone out, and they've said, hey, this building is beyond repair. This building needs to be demolished. The Bible says that whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Why? Because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So That means we're all condemned. Since our first parents, beautiful Adam and Eve, turned away from God and they went on ahead and passed down that spiritual transmitted disease called rebellion to us, we too have turned away from God because of this, the Bible says that we're all condemned. Think about that for a second. That's the bad news. That's the bad news that illuminates our need. For the good news, That's the reason why we call the gospel the good news. That's why we call what Jesus did on the cross for us, we call it the good news. Why? Because our life was stamped with bad news from the moment we've been conceived because of the original sin from Adam and Eve that was passed down. However, the good news is that there's a way out. The good news is we don't have to stay being condemned. The good news is we have a way out. Into having eternal life. The most classic gospel teaching in the entire Bible we find in this story. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, his one and only Son, that everyone who believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Many of us, we don't get second chances in life, but God gives you that. You want to know what? God gives you more than second chances. Some of you may say, if you actually count how many times you've had to repent and run back to God, you say, man, God, can I still do this? Can I still run back to you? We learned this last series, what happens after you die. You have that chance, as long as there's breath in your lungs. Just don't gamble with it, because you don't know when you're going to take your last breath. I want you to listen to this from uh, this Bible scholar. His name is uh, uh, D.A. Carson. He says, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. He says, then he says, if our greatest need had been technology, then God would have sent us a scientist. He says, if our greatest need had been money, then God would have sent us an economist. But because our greatest need was forgiveness, God sent us a Savior. You see, you don't need any special equipment. You don't need any 3D glasses to understand this sentence. But if you tru- truly believe this message, you do need to respond, and your life will be rewritten. You see, the good news is good news. But the good news, meaning the gospel, you know that it demands a response? It's not about, oh, I just saw this good news. That's good. It makes me feel good. No, it demands you do something. When you hear the good news, it demands that you take action steps. So my question to you is, do you believe? Do you believe this word? Do you believe this message? Do you believe this good news? Do you believe that we, ought, we have to be born again? And it happens when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, and we actually take steps to show that. Have you been born again? And with this, we're going to be closing. But this gospel, and I just gave you the short version of it, I want you to see what the normal response in the Bible, what that normal response to people in the Bible when they would hear this message and they actually truly believe. That you were condemned, but Jesus provides a way to no longer be condemned. Listen to this. I'm just going to run through these passages really quick, and we're going to end this. In Acts chapter 2, verses 37 and 41, I don't know if they've got these up there, but if you're taking notes, you can write it down. They do. It says, when the people heard this, what did they hear? The message. When they heard the gospel, when they heard what it is that they needed, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and what? Be and be baptized. Every one of you. Who? Every one of you. Did they say only if you don't got if you got bad knees? No. No. Every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promises for you and your children and for all who are far off. Man. That means it just doesn't stop with you. It goes on to your children and your children's children. Those who accept his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. See, people listen to the good news, and they said, what do I got to do? Because I don't want to be condemned any longer. I want a new life. I want my story to be rewritten. I want to be born again. I want to have an relationship with jesus christ that goes beyond this side of it of of eternity listen to what they did in acts chapter 8 verse 12 these are all different people it says but when they believed philip as he proclaimed the good news we know the good news is of the kingdom of god and the name of jesus christ what happened they were baptized acts chapter 8 verses 36 and 38 as they traveled along the road they came to some water and the eunuch said look Here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. That story is a beautiful story. That story is this brother is hearing uh, Philip go on ahead and you know they're kind of they kind of hear each other Just, just, just to paraphrase it and they start talking about Jesus. This Jesus has already ascended into the heavens. They start talking about Jesus and Philip is going out ahead and he's he's preaching the good news. He's just sharing the good news. Listen, and they didn't have the whole Bible. Philip didn't have the whole Bible, the whole New Testament. To convince someone, he just says, listen, we stand condemned, but Jesus Christ died and he rose again. Our sins have been forgiven. Now he resides with our Father. If you believe this message, if you confess it with your lips, with your tongue, you will be saved. What do I got to do? Believe and be baptized. And this brother believed this message so much that they see some water somewhere. He's like, let's run over there and get water. Can, can, we, can we use that even though it's a little puddle? Can we use that? See, a lot of us, what happens is we get, we get accepting Jesus Christ in our life as our Lord and Savior completely, we, we, we think of it completely separate from us being baptized. Why? Why? I've never taught that. I talked to some people who believe, I'm going to be honest, some people who believe with Jesus, in Jesus Christ, who have accepted him as their Lord and Savior, and it's been a year two years, three years, four years later, and you still haven't be baptized, been baptized, can I ask you a question, why? When I've asked that question, I've mentored people myself, and you're going to see some mentors up here. The answer has been, I don't know if I'm ready to be baptized. I got, Pastor, I got to make sure I got all my stuff together. I got what you're saying is I got to make sure that I'm done sinning. Can I say something? That ain't never going to happen. Okay. My rebuttal to that is, you know what the toughest decision in your life was? Not whether you're going to be baptized or not. The toughest decision that you made in your life was to give your life to Jesus Christ. At that moment right there, that was the toughest decision. Because that should have been between you and God. Getting baptized is you showing that publicly to everybody else. So I want to challenge you to stop thinking of baptism and giving your life to Jesus Christ as two different things. As a matter of fact, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you ought to get baptized right away. Right away. Because Satan's going to come, the deceiver, the liar. He's going to try to mess around with you. He's going to try to get you discouraged. And then you're going to leave that and never get it done. No, all that stuff is going to happen even after you get baptized. The people who are going to get baptized today, life is still going to be hard. You're still going to be challenged. Tests are still going to come your way. This doesn't exempt you from that. But you publicly have done this. You've shown, and now you've got a group of people here, a church family, who want to walk that life with you guys. So don't think about it as two separate things. In Acts chapter 22, verse 16, it says, And now what are you waiting for, Paul? Get up, be baptized. Again, immediately, right? Look at Acts chapter 9, verse 18. It says, Immediately he got up and was baptized. In Acts chapter 16, verse 33, "At that hour, immediately he and all his household were baptized. This was a brother who received Jesus Christ, and not only did he go on ahead and get baptized, but he said, "Hey, Susan, Tommy, Joe, all my kids, get to the front. We're all going to get baptized." Acts chapter 18 verse 8, Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed. And were baptized. Acts chapter 19, verse 5. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. I read you all these passages so that I, I can ask you, now that you have heard, do you believe this good news of Jesus? Do you believe it? How about you today? You make that decision to respond in your faith and make that move. Some of you guys, you have already accepted Jesus Christ. That move that you need to make is you need to be baptized. Let's go. If that's you today and you want to get baptized, you go on ahead and let us know right after the service. Find me and I can get you connected. I can link you up with someone who will mentor you for three weeks and get you prepared for baptism. Listen. But I like to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. So if that's you today and you say, listen, Pastor, I don't want to wait. I want to get baptized right now. You've you've got that option. We've got T-shirts and we've got towels in the back. You just go on ahead and I don't care. Stop me. Raise your hand right now and let me know it. And we'll get you ready. Some of you guys just need to make that first step. You you need to accept Christ in your life as your Lord and personal Savior. And we want to help you. We want to walk you through that. We're not a church that says make this decision now. Figure it out on your own. No, we got people that are willing to walk alongside of you. So I want to ask that everybody raise to their feet. I just want to let you know, wherever you are, please let Jesus rewrite your story today. Let him rewrite it. Right there where you're at. Because we have baptisms and we're kind of running out of time, I'm not going to have anybody come to the front. But right there, right where you're at, if that's you, just go on ahead and begin to speak to God. If you want to begin that new life and you haven't done so, with every head bow, if everyone could bow their heads and close their eyes. If that's you, I'm not going to call you to the front or anything. Everybody's head is bowed anyways, but if that's you today, you want to start a new life with Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you after the service, and I want to I, I want to I want to pray for you, and I want to get you set up with someone that's going to help you walk through that. If that's you today, maybe everyone here has done it already. Praise God! But if that's you today and you haven't done so, you want to make sure that you've given your life. You want to make sure you've been born again, and possibly take the steps of baptism then raise your hand right there where you're at. If you're watching us online, go on ahead and put a comment there. We'll look through them and we'll reach you. If you're watching this online or listening to it later down the week, go on ahead and send us a message. I want to make sure that nobody gets left out. But right where you're at, just close your eyes and say, Lord, I want my life rewritten. I'm done being my my own God. I'm done taking the driver's seat in the car of my life, continuously hitting dead ends. I want you to take over. I believe in you. I believe that you have paid the penalty for my sin. That I no longer am condemned, but I am now a new creation. I am a son and daughter of Jesus Christ. I give my life to you. I give my life to you. Amen. 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 At this moment, I want to ask. Those who are getting ready to be baptized, everyone can sit down. Normally at this point, if you're new, we dismiss, but we've got some celebrating to do. And I want to ask Larry Walker and Yesenia Jimenez to come on. You guys can stand right here. Let's give them a round of applause, along with their mentors, Liz and Jesus. There he says, "I don't want to just any mentor who's going to baptize me. I want them to be as close to Jesus. So let me find someone whose name is Jesus." <laughs> You've heard me talk about it already. There's no more sense in, in adding anything else. But these are two people who have come to know Christ, uh, who have accepted Him as Lord and Savior, and they've made the decision to get baptized to go on ahead and publicly. They want to let everyone know who's watching here on Facebook Live or who's sitting here today that today, uh, they, they they're just going to show you what they've already done in their heart and there's the old them is dying, and the new them is coming up. It's like when Jesus Christ was he was crucified, they put him into the tomb, but on the third day he rose. It's the same thing that we do when we get baptized, and so. What we do here in New Life is when someone wants to get baptized, we link them with a, with a mentor. We've got, all, we've got mentors all over the place. The mentor goes on ahead and goes uh, gives them a little book. We call it the Blue Book. It's called the Begin Book. And it's three short chapters in which they'll go on ahead one-on-one with the person being baptized. And they kind of explain what does it mean to repent? What does it mean to get baptized? The very, very basics of you walking as a Christ follower. We want to make sure that you got a good understanding of what it is that you're doing, and so they do that for a while, and and uh, and, and then they they choose the date and they let me know what date that is, and we've got two today, and I want to go on ahead now and allow uh, Liz, who mentored Yesenia, who's also expecting, as you guys can see. So we're doing a double dunk, <laughs> but um, you don't have to be pregnant to get baptized. I'm playing. You know I have my humor. Um, Liz, can you share with the church um, your experience of being a mentor and mentoring Yesenia through this process?
1: Sure, absolutely. Um, mentoring Yesenia has actually been both a blessing and a privilege. She's inquisitive. She's eager to learn the word of God and understand it. Um, she's, just, she's ready to be born again and transformed through the Holy Spirit. And I am so happy to be standing next to her and witnessing this beautiful moment and the future that we have together as sisters in Christ.
0: Amen, amen. (laughs) Before you say, yeah, speaks hey, you know, if one of you guys say, hey, I would like to learn more about being a mentor and helping walk somebody through this, you can let us know as well. We're always willing to... Allow you to be a part of this beautiful experience, as she said, it's a it's been a blessing. Yesenia, you can describe to us a little bit to the church how it was like being mentored by by Liz, but also, but also, why did you decide to be baptized here today? It
2: pretty much goes hand in hand with everything that Pastor Lewis said about all the excuses that we make for why we don't feel ready to be baptized because we're not done sinning. We feel that we're not worthy but that's never the case. There's always these great people here that are ready to take your hand and show you the way and always make you feel that you are worthy. And I'm very grateful for Liz. I'm grateful for every one of you, the experience and just everything that I've learned. And for anybody that feels that you're not worthy or that you can't do it, you can. You just have to You have to pair yourself up with someone. You have to believe in yourself. You have to believe in God. And the rest is just going to be, it's going to come easier. And I'm very grateful. Thank you
0: and God bless you all. Praise God. Praise God. Zeus, uh, go on ahead and let, him, let us know how it was uh, to go on ahead and, and uh, mentor Larry. Uh, and a little a, bit of the story, too.
2: Uh, it's been a blessing. I mean, uh, I met Larry through my job. He's a, He works for the Aerotech, one of the temp services. And uh, I overheard one day I was having a conversation about um, Elevation Church coming to concert. Me and my wife already were going. And I overheard, like, oh, they said Larry's going to go to the church. I was like... Larry, really? <laughs> so I, I pulled up to him. He was on the forklift, and I was like, "Hey, so I heard you going to this concert," and he just gave me that look, like, "Like, what's this guy talking about concert?" <laughs> like he, like he was kind of ashamed, like he didn't want to explore Jesus. Like, he just looked at me. I was like, "Yeah, me and my wife are going too." And I mean, his face just changed. And since that day, I mean, uh, we connected really good. And uh, he asked me to mentor him. He wanted to change his life and be baptized. And uh, since day one. Uh, it right away, you know I mean, he's always he's like my go-to forklift driver at work, so, <laughs> you know, so uh, I mean, it's been a blessing uh, just seeing his dedication and, and and his heart wanting to follow God and, and be a different man, it's been a blessing since day one
0: Amen
1: um, for me, I, I look at it as divine intervention, you know January 21st, my life changed. Um, I came out of the darkness that I spent 47 years living in. Um, actually, and, and Jesus knows this, and pastor knows this, when I met him, I really didn't like him. <laughs> I, 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 and it was because of my own complex and my own thinking. But, you know, I, know, I realize today that God does for me things that I can't do for myself. After talking with Jesus and seeing where his heart was, where God was concerned, it lit a light inside of me, and um, he's like my brother now. I I can't see my days without having him in my life, you know, because he has introduced me to God, you know, and I'm so grateful today, you know, I'm not, uh, I don't want to be what I was, you know, and. God has been showing me since January 21st that I don't have to be, and he keeps blessing me on a daily basis, you know, and I'm just grateful to be up here today and grateful to be a part of this church. I didn't, you know, when I took the challenge, (laughs) the, the first thing he talked about was things that I was struggling with, you know, and anxiety and anger and depression. I mean, I was here for all of them, and that convinced me. It really commits me. It it's, it's sealed the deal. <laughs> With that, thank you, guys.
0: Amen. Thank you, Larry. And church, this is, baptism is also not just important for them, but it's important for the church. Because I don't know about you, but just by listening to these stories and seeing this, I'm encouraged. And that's, what, that's why it's important as well, that we do it in front of people. So you can be encouraged and see that God is still in the business of rewriting stories. Amen. So what do you say we celebrate, we get some baptisms going on. As Anthony likes to say, I can't take you all there back with us there to the baptismal pool, but you can see it. I don't know if we'll have it on the screens, and you can also see it up in front. There you go. Look at that. So let's go on ahead and let's celebrate. Everyone stand to their feet. You guys can go to the back, and we're going to worship as we normally do because this is a party.
3: Sing this Man. wandering into the night wanting a place to hide this weary soul this bag of bones I tried with all my might but i can't just can't win the fight i'm slowly drifting a vagabond and just when i ran out of road are burning like ashes in the wind so so long till my old friends burden and bitterness you can just keep it moving now you ain't welcome here yeah from now till I walk the streets of gold I'll sing of how you saved my soul. This wayward son has found his way back home. Oh, 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 oh. You picked me up. You turned me around. You placed my feet on solid ground. I thank the master. I thank the Savior. Because you healed my heart. You changed my name forever free I'm not the same I think the master I think the savior I think I yes we do all right as hell lost another one I am free I am free I am free as hell lost another one savior because you healed my heart you changed my name forever free i'm not the same i thank the master i thank the savior i thank god
0: Lord, some praise. Father God, we thank you for this beautiful Sunday morning. We thank you for allowing us to be gathered within these walls here, Lord. Father God, to worship together, to receive of your word together, Lord, and to celebrate the lives of the two who have been baptized today, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we would be a church that would surround them, Lord, and help them walk in your paths. Father God, Lord, I pray right now, Lord, as we get ready to dismiss, Lord, that you would remind us, Father, of your word today, of the necessity to to know that we will not live forever on this side of eternity, that one day our eyes will close in this flesh, in this body for all time. And Lord, at that moment, it's going to matter what it is that we did here. and I pray, Lord, that we would give our lives to you, that we would let you be the author of our life. Lord, as we get dismissed, no matter what it is that we have planned today, Lord, get togethers, work, whatever the case is, Lord, that you would remind us who it is that we are, that we are your sons and we are your daughters, that you have called us to be the light of the world, you have called us to be the salt of this earth, you've called us not to blend in, but you've called us to stand out, God. And so, Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would take today's word to our heart, not just to be hearers of your word, but to be doers of your word. Church, now I leave you with this blessing. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you all. May the Lord be gracious unto you. And may the Lord give you his peace which supersedes all understanding. In Jesus' mighty name, the church of God says amen. Amen, amen, church. God bless you. You're dismissed. We'll see you next week.